number nine tonight, as you're turning there, I do want to remind you of a couple of things. Brother John wanted me to make mention that uh, the teen devotionals and the kids' devotionals are in. For all the moms and dads there uh, out at Teen Refresh tonight, be sure to get by there and get those from him. And I do want to thank all the ladies who came out to Bible study this week. I think they were right at 60 ladies again came out to Bible study, and that was good. It was an encouragement to me as a pastor that our ladies are investing the extra time to grow in the Lord. And right now they're studying on how to study the Bible and how important that is to not just jump into it, but to know exactly how we can better study God's Word. And just a blessing to see so many of our ladies show up for that. Just want to encourage you to continue doing that, and God will honor your efforts. And I did want to also remind you, make it a point to plan on being at Missions Conference. Make it a point to plan on being here. Go ahead and resolve in your heart that if God will help you get off work and if God will give you life and if God would give you time, you're going to come to missions conference this week. Not just so we'll have a full crowd here, but that so many of us could hear about the opportunities that God's going to provide for us to be engaged in. God wants us to be engaged in missions, getting the gospel around the world. All we need to do is show up and be willing to give and be submissive to what God would have us to do, and they'll do the work in going for us. And so I want you to make it a point. Go ahead and resolve in your heart. I'm going to be at missions conference this week, and we're looking forward to it. Got some special things for our kids throughout this week. Uh, My wife's been working hard on it. We're going to have some passports for our kids. Uh, Inside that passport, we'll have a picture and a little bio of all of our missionaries. And each of the missionaries is going to have a rubber stamp uh, with their name and where they're going on it. We're going to allow our kids throughout the course of the week to go to our missionaries and get to meet them, get to know them. And each of the kids that comes back with a full stamped passport, by the end of the week, we're going to have something special for them. So that's the incentive for the kids to bug mom and dad to make sure they're at missions conference so they get their passport stamped, all right? This is the way Walmart does it. That's why they put the toys up there at the checkout so the kids are going to bug you to get them one. We're going to do the same thing because we know that psychology works. But we want to encourage our kids to get to know our missionaries. And we've got some special things for them throughout the week as well. Acts chapter number 9, we're going to jump right into it for the sake of time tonight. Acts chapter 9, we're reading about the conversion of Saul, and we're reading about how Paul found the will of God for his life. The past few weeks, I think four weeks now, we've been preaching on the subject to God's way, to God's will. want everybody to be engaged in 2020, but in order to be engaged, you've got to find what God's will is for your life, and we're following the example of Paul, and we're going to finish this message and the the series up tonight uh, with just two things out of Acts chapter number nine. So we pick up, let's pick up in verse number four. The Bible says, as he journeys on the road to Damascus, the bright light shines down from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. The men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege of being here tonight. I thank you for for the privilege of being able to know your will and to serve in your will and fulfill it. I pray you'd help us find our way to knowing that tonight. And I pray that, Lord, all that we do tonight, we bring honor and glory to your name in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned, we're trying to help our people through this series of messages find God's will for their life. And a few weeks ago, we started this series. It actually, it started off as just one message, and the Lord took it and expanded it in ways that only he could. And we saw in the first week where the Bible tells us to not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
So we know tonight it's God's will that all of his children understand not to be unwise or foolish concerning the will of the Lord. And we do that through understanding. We looked the second week that understanding means to bring together or be joined together. The will of God is not one-dimensional. It takes time and patience for all of the pieces to come together that we might know what God's will is. But last week we looked at the third thing, which was the walk of God's will. We looked at two points on a four-point message on how we take steps to knowing what God's will is. The first one last week came out of verse number four, where as Paul journeyed on his way to Damascus, the Bible says the light began to shine down from heaven, and God called out to him, and it says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The first step on the way or the walk to knowing God's will is we've got to be able to hear from God. And last week we looked at the importance of hearing from God and how we hear from God through his word, the written word, and we hear from God through the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. If you want to know the will of God, you must be able to hear from God. If you cannot hear from God, if you do not get in his word and walk closely enough that through his spirit you hear his direction, you will never find, function in, or fulfill the will of God for your life. The second point last week came out of, uh, out of verse number five where the Bible says, and he said, speaking of Paul, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. The second step uh, on the walk to God's will is God needs to hear from you. If God has spoken to you and God has stirred your heart, it's important that we respond to what God has spoken to us in order to keep that conversation going that we might clarify what God's will is for our life. Tonight we're going to look at the last two things, and they really come out of verse number five and verse number six, but jump down to verse number six, if you will. The Bible says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, through through the course of this conversation in verse four, five, and six, what Paul is doing is refining God's will. With every question that is asked and every response that God gives to Paul, he's refining and clarifying what God's will is for his life. Now, this is why it is important that we as the people of God continue the conversation. That is, God stirs our heart through his written word or through the leading of the Holy Spirit that we continually respond to God and keep that conversation going. I believe this is what the Bible's teaching us in Thessalonians where the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean walk around all the time with your head bowed and your eyes closed. It's hard to drive that way. Matter of fact, I think I saw some people today who drive that way. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I believe what he's talking about is we keep that line of communication open with God. Pray without ceasing. I'm constantly talking to God. I'm constantly listening for God. And we keep the conversation going in order to find clarity. Folks, you can't come just on Sunday morning and God stir your heart and you not respond to God until next Sunday and expect to know the will of God. It's not going to happen that way. You have got to put in the time and the effort to keep that conversation going, but it doesn't end there. Because I would dare say tonight, mostly everyone that is here, you're here on a Wednesday night, kind of a chilly Wednesday night, isn't it? It was kind of warm when we woke up this morning, and it's going to get cold, and you're here on a cold Wednesday night, so the odds are you talk to God more than the average Christian that is out there. But I want you to understand that sooner or later, the talk and the conversation has to lead to something. Uh, What is the term we use often, that talk is cheap? Do you know you can find that principle in Scripture? 
The Bible says that in all labor, the book of Proverbs, all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. That means poverty. That means we can talk and keep the conversation going, but can I tell you why God is continuing to speak? Because sooner or later, God is going to lead us to do something. So often we have these conversations for years. I know Christians who have not taken a step forward in the will of God for their life in years. Now they talk about it. They talk about it. They come and they pray about it. But sooner or later, it's God's will that we do something with what he has spoken to us about. So why is there a gap between having clarity on the will of God and concluding what the will of God is for our life? I believe that's number three, and I believe Paul's going to show us that in verse number six. Notice when Jesus says, I am Jesus, in verse five, whom thou persecutest, it's hard for thee to kick against the bricks. So now Paul gets to respond in verse number six. The Bible says that he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The third step in knowing what God's will is and refining what God's will is is simply this. We've got to get to the place where we submit to what God is seeking. We submit to what God is seeking. Now, let me show you that in the verse. Notice Paul responds to Christ by saying, Lord, first off, notice the title. He's calling him Lord, capital L. And then he's asking the question, what wilt thou have me to do? Paul is submitting to God and submitting his will and his way to what God would desire him to do. Now, let me tell you something tonight. I believe here's where we get the roadblock at in our walk trying to find the will of God for our life. God speaks to us. We respond and we go back and forth in the conversation. But let me tell you what it's going to lead to. Sooner or later, to know, to find, to function, and fulfill in the will of God, sooner or later, it's going to require us submitting ourselves and submitting our will to the will of the Father. This is what he's doing in verse number six. Notice the transition. When he starts off in verse number one, he's going his way to do his will. He's on his way to Damascus to carry out his will. And yet now in verse number six, we see him calling the Lord, Lord, and asking him what he would have him to do. What has happened? Paul has submitted his will to what God's been seeking. I want you to understand this tonight. There is no finding, functioning, and fulfilling the will of God for your life without sooner or later submitting your will to God's. Sooner or later, you have to take your will and lay it aside and take up the will of God because your hands can only carry one. I believe oftentimes God has a wonderful will for our life and he comes to us in a service and oh, it's a wonderful will and he's carrying it and he wants us to have it. But here's our problem. In order for us to carry his will, we must lay ours down. And we consider what God has to offer, whether it be ministry, whether it be used in a capacity here at the church, or whether it be just doing what you know to do better. And we consider it, but in order to take up the will of God, we've got to lay down the will of self. I'll tell you tonight, I believe the greatest hindrance to finding and fulfilling the will of God is an unsubmissive spirit. We're unwilling to submit our spirit To God's will. We want to know what his will is, but the problem is we will not yield ours. 
We say, God, I want to know what you have planned for me. God, I don't want to know what you've laid out for the rest of my life, but I want to do it in the confines of my will. Can't happen that way. There's got to come a point where you acknowledge him as Lord. That's what Paul did. He acknowledged him as Lord, and that's the problem. Because, see, as long as we hold on to our will instead of God's, we're actually the Lord of our life. Now, I know that may come as a shock to us, but, folks, that's the truth. You see, the Lord is the one who gives direction. The Lord is the one who tells us what his will is. But, folks, if we hold on to our will, then guess what? We are the Lord of our life other than God. And there's no way that we'll find the will of God or fulfill the will of God without first submitting our will to what God has been seeking. Now, God gives us a beautiful illustration in verse number 5. I want you to see this. It'll help you understand a little bit about yourself and about myself because God knew us when he wrote this. Notice what he says to Paul. He uses an illustration. He says, I am Jesus, verse 5, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, what he's speaking about in verse number 5 is what's commonly known as an ox goad. Uh, the, the farmer would be plowing with the oxen and they would have this, uh, they would be yoked together and as he would begin to plow with them, he would have the reins to the oxen. And he's trying to steer them to the right or steer them to the left. And he would give a little bit of a tug and the oxen would go to the right. He would give a little bit of a tug over here and the oxen would go to the left. But every once in a while, you just find a stubborn ox. I kind of, kind of was convicted of the fact that God compares me to an ox, but he knows us, doesn't he? He says, Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What the the pricks were was he had this stick that when the ox would not listen to the reins, the slight tug of the reins, that he had this stick. I have a picture of one for you. Uh, He had this stick. It had a point on the end of it. And the, the, the farmer would take that stick and he would lean over and just tap the right heel of the ox. You see, the ox was not listening to the still, small tugs of the reins. And so the farmer has to speak in a way where the ox understands a little bit better. And ox are like humans. We understand pain very well, don't we? So he would take that little stick and he'd reach over and he would tap it. You see, through that tap and through that little bit of pain, he's letting him know the direction that he wants him to go in. He's trying to turn him, but the ox is not listening. The ox, for some odd reason, wants to go in the particular direction that he's already going. And so if he continues to go that direction, the farmer reaches over and taps a little bit harder. Well, after a while, the ox does not like that. The ox says, that kind of hurts. And just like all of us, when something hurts, we want to get it away from us, don't we? So what do we do? We push away. So as the farmer reaches over and taps the heel of the ox, the ox kicks back. He kicks back at the goad. He said, I don't like that. I'm not wanting to go the direction you're wanting me to go. I'm wanting to go that way. And he keeps kicking against it. And believe it or not, oxen will do that until their legs are bloody. Jesus is saying to Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, can I tell you tonight, watch, the only reason that the ox's life has been made difficult, it's not because the ox does not know what the master wants, it's because the ox is not submitting to what the master wants. Can I tell you, oftentimes in our life, now listen, I'm not throwing all difficulty in this area, but I believe a lot of difficulty, if not 50% of difficulty that we as Christians go through is oftentimes difficulty, not because we don't know what the master wants, it's because we're not submitting to the master wants. We're kicking. 
We're kicking back. You say, my goodness, my life is difficult. I'm having trouble here and I'm having trouble here. One of the first questions I ask people when they come to the office for counsel or they need something, they call the phone and they're having a difficult time in their life. Number one, I want to find out if they're saved. First question. Number two, the second question is, do you know that you're in the will of God? You know the Bible says that he chastens every son that he loves? The Holy Spirit's the still small tugs of the reins. Oh, I want to tell you, I don't always like the tugging on the reins, but I know it well. I know it well. The Holy Spirit tries to lead us in this direction or lead us in that direction. At times, I, I would just rather go in my own direction. You know, I don't know why the ox would have his mind. Maybe there's a, a, an apple tree over there at the end of the, uh, end of the field. The ox says, I don't want to go keep plowing. There's an apple tree over there, and I want to go eat some of those apples. And he just ignores the tug of the reins, and finally the shepherd has to break out the old goad. And he taps us on the heel. It doesn't feel good, but it doesn't feel bad enough for us to change course. So what do we do? We kick against it. We kick against it. What is Jesus telling Paul in verse number 5? He says, it's hard for thee. It's hard for thee. Can I tell you, Jonah's life did not get difficult until he started kicking. Think about it. Jonah hears from God. Look, there it is again. God spoke to Jonah. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to preach to those folks at Nineveh. Amen? How easy would that have been? Just Jonah do what God said. But Jonah says, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go this way. And so God brings out a storm and tap, tap, tap. God brings out a whale. Tap, tap, tap. Finally, old Jonah's down there in the belly of the whale, and uh, I don't know if he uttered these words, but I bet you he would tell you if he was here today, it was hard. It's hard. Look, it wasn't like Pinocchio. You know, we watch these cartoons, and old Pinocchio, and uh, was it Geppetto? Is that his name? Geppetto's down there, and they're, and they're in the belly, and they're, they're, they're down there fishing. It wasn't really like that. It was dark, it was stinky, it was cramped. I think at the very least, Jonah would tell you it was hard. And can I tell you, it didn't get hard until he started kicking. God's trying to lead him and Jonah started kicking. You know, it didn't get hard for Cain until he started kicking. What happened? God told Cain what he wanted. God's always going to tell you what he wants. God told Cain what he wanted and Cain started kicking back. All he had to do was submit his will to what God was seeking. But he kept kicking. Now, folks, tonight, I believe a lot of times that's our problem. We have difficulty knowing the will of God, not because God has not told us. It's because we don't want what God has told us. And we're kicking back. And here's what we're doing. I believe a lot of times we come down to an altar and we call out to God and we're asking God for his will and we're calling and kicking at the same time. I mean, if you could see me, there have been times in my life I'm down at the altar and I'm praying for you. I can tell you one specifically. About a year ago, not long, about a year ago, and God began to stir our heart about moving. Look, I love you folks. I love you more now than I did then. I was happy where I was at. Lord had blessed. We'd seen God do some great things there. And I come down an altar and I'm praying about what God's will is for my family. And I kind of had an inkling what it already was. And I'm praying, God, show me what your will is. God, just let me know what I'm supposed to do. God, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. I was calling and kicking at the same time. Do you know what made the decision so difficult? It wasn't that God didn't make it clear. It was that I was not willing at that moment to submit to what God had already said. If you want to know the will of God, number one, 
you got to hear from God. Number two, God needs to hear from you. But number three, sooner or later, you've got to submit to what God is seeking in your life or else you are just making it difficult on yourself. I believe a lot, of the, a lot of the confusion about what God's will is and a lot of the things that are not clear about what God's will is could be cleared up if we just submitted our will to God. I want to show you something. When the Bible says, he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Paul is submitting before he even knows what it is. You know, God can look down in our hearts tonight and tell if our heart is submitted fully to him or not. Why, why should God give us his will when he can look at inside of our heart until our heart is not fully submitted already? Folks, we've got to be submitted before we know what God's will is because you never know when it's time that God calls you up and you need to go play in the majors. I remember my wife's cousin just a few years ago, we got a phone call one night. He played for one of the AAA teams for the Anaheim Angels. And we got a phone call, Andrew's on TV, Andrew's on TV. We looked, and sure enough, her cousin got called up to the majors, and he got to go out there and, and play Major League Baseball, and never knew he was going to get called up. He just had to be ready when it was time, when he got the call, and can I tell you, God may be wanting to use you right now, but he can look in your heart and tell your heart's not submitted. You say, well, if God told me first, then I would be submitted. It doesn't work that way. We need to be submitted before we know exactly what God wants us to do, or else, I'm tell you what's going to happen. We're just making life difficult on ourselves. There was an old potato farmer at one time in Ireland walking down the street carrying a large bag of potatoes. And he was struggling, and a farmer had come up, and he had a, a horse and a wagon. He says, look, let me give you a ride. Said, look, you're struggling to carry that. I'll be glad to give you a ride. So he jumped on the back of the cart, and the, the guy took off, and they're going down the road. As the, the farmer began to drive, he kept hearing the guy back there on the back of the cart, and he's just still kind of grunting and still kind of straining as he held onto the bag. The farmer says, why don't you just take the bag and set it there on the cart? And the guy says, look, I can't do that. He says, you're already good enough to give me a ride. He says, the least I can do is hold my potatoes. The guy says, well, I want you to try to understand. Look, it doesn't cost me any more to carry you and your potatoes in the car. Why don't you set them down? He says, oh, no, I can't do that. And the farmer just couldn't change the guy's mind. He was just making it difficult on himself. Folks, that's the way we are with the will of God. It could be so much more simpler to be so much more clear to us if we just went ahead and submitted our wills to our will to God. Because too often the difficulty in knowing God's will is simply by the fact that we're not willing to submit ours to his. I want to show you something in verse number five. I, I don't know that I've ever preached before. And if you want to put this in the area of opinion, you can, but I believe you'll see it. the evidence is there. I believe when we read verse number five, or verse four and verse number five. I believe we're picking up in an ongoing conversation. For instance, let me tell you this. This is my opinion. I don't believe this is the first time Paul considered doing what God was going to call him to do. Why? Because verse 5 says this, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know what Jesus was telling Paul? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Let me tell you what my opinion is on this, and I believe you can see it there if you look hard enough. I believe he knew. I believe he knew. I believe it goes back to chapter number 7 when Paul, Saul, is standing there as they kill Stephen. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 7, if you look over verse number, verse number 58, the Bible says they cast him out of the city and stoned him, speaking of Stephen, because Stephen was preaching the word of God. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. I believe, opinion, I believe at that moment, 
But Saul's heart was stirred. As he watched a young man courageously and boldly do the will of God, even though it cost him his life. And I believe from that moment till we read in chapter number 9, I believe Paul knew in here what was right. This is why Jesus says, it is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. I believe ever since that day Stephen died, Paul was kicking. I believe he was kicking. Oftentimes, I believe it's the same case for us. I believe we know what God wants. We're just not submitting to what God wants. And that's why Jesus said to Paul in verse number five, it is hard. You say, what's an unsubmitted spirit? An unsubmitted spirit is simply an area of your life that is off limits to God. An area of your heart or your life that's off limits to God. Can I tell you, Paul had a pretty sweet deal going. Paul had authority, Paul had education, Paul had power to arrest. I mean, Paul had a pretty sweet deal going, and now God is stirring his heart to do what the guy that he killed was doing. I believe Paul had been kicking at it ever since Stephen died. Oftentimes, I think we have the same things in our life. We know what God wants, and yet we kick against it. And that's why things are so difficult. Can I ask you this tonight real quickly before I give you the second point? Is there any areas of your heart or of your life that are off limits to God? Is there anything in your heart, your life, your home, your mind? Is there anything within the realm of your livelihood that is off limits to God? If it's off limits to God, it's unsubmitted. It's unsubmitted. The Bible tells us neither give place to the devil. Can I tell you, oftentimes the place the devil loves to hide out most is the unsubmitted areas of our heart that we withhold from God. We hold this area back from God. God, you can have 90% of my life, but this 10% is mine. Don't ask for that. Missions conference is coming up, and I'm sure everybody's heart has thought on the subject of, oh, please don't call me to the mission field. God, I'll give a dollar, I'll give a dime, I'll give whatever, I'll give you my tractor, but don't call me to the mission field. Folks, we've got to be fully submitted to the will of God. My wife is a wonderful, wonderful cook and always trying new recipes. And uh, I'll go to the refrigerator sometime. We have a, uh, two doors in the refrigerator here, and there's a drawer in the bottom. And uh, it's like my wife knows when I open the refrigerator. I have to open both doors at one time. I don't know. You folks who open one door at a time, I don't get it. I have to open two. Open them all the way, and then I stand there looking about what I want. My wife can be in the other end of the house. She hears those doors open. She says, take whatever you want, just leave the cottage cheese alone. It's for a recipe. For one of these baby showers they had the other day, she had my favorite. I love the sharp cheddar cheese balls. You know the ones that's got the almonds on the outside of it? I can eat myself sick of those things. I opened the refrigerator, and almost as if she knew what my eyes had locked in on, up on the top right, I hear her say, have whatever you want, just leave the cheese balls alone. Well, of course, that's the one thing I wanted. Out of there. I mean, I don't really like cottage cheese to begin with. You know, she can keep the cottage cheese. Just let me have the cheese balls. And oftentimes, is that not the case with God? God opens up our heart, and he's looking in. And before he can ever say anything, we tell him, leave it alone. This is my area. This is what I want. You don't understand. This is my whatever it is. That's an unsubmitted area of our heart. But folks, you're never going to find the will of God if you don't submit all of you and all of your heart to whatever the will of God is. Why should God give his perfect will and the privilege of serving him if we're not going to submit all of ourselves to him? I don't know about you. I like people to be all in, don't you? I like people to be all in. 
Hey, be wherever God's called you to be and be all in there. Be fully committed and submitted to the will of God in the place he's called you to. Now, why should God give us his will if we're not going to be submitted to it? So we see here, Paul, the Bible says he's kicking against the bricks. He's telling God, that's off limits. I don't want you to go there. Tonight, I believe all of us, if we're not careful, will have areas of our heart where we tell God, off limits. Off limits. We'll have areas of our heart areas of our mind, areas of our calendar. You know, I've had those areas before. Where God, I'm going to do what I want here on this day, and God, I can't allow you to have that day, and I can't allow you to have that time. There's areas of your heart, your mind, your life. There could be areas on your radio. Are there any areas on your radio? Maybe your television. You know, preachers used to preach against stuff like that. You know, from time to time, I remember as a kid, my dad, we went through our house. We didn't have any vile movies or music in our house. Time to time, dad would go through there and make sure. I can remember oftentimes VHSs. Some of young people don't know what that is. It's like a DVD on tape. One thing, we throw them in the garbage. What were they? It wasn't anything bad, but it was something that he didn't think God wanted us to have in our house. He said, I don't want to have anything in our house that doesn't honor and glorify God. I don't want to have anything in here where the devil could plant a seed in your heart and your mind that's against what thus saith the Lord. Folks, is there anything in your home that needs to go? Anything in your heart needs to go? Listen, anything in your car, radio, anything on your television that needs to go? Anything on your calendar that needs to go? Anything? Listen, there may be something in your refrigerator that needs to go. Maybe something in your closet that needs to go. Folks, listen, it's possible. Those are the things that keep us from finding the will of God, unsubmitted areas of our heart and our life. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 5, verse 4 and 5 actually. I love the first part of this verse, but the second part of this verse, not so much. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, look down if you would at verse number 4. I love quoting verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I love quoting that one. But we've got to keep reading, don't we? Verse five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What did he say at the last part of verse number five? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Fully submitted to God. You want to know the will of God? You got to hear from God. Then God needs to hear from you. But then sooner or later, you've got to submit your will to what God is seeking for your life. Here's what I want to give you real quick. God shows us what happens when we decide not to. What happens is what happened to Paul in verse number three and verse number four. Verse four says he fell to the earth. Remember this, we can resist submitting to God's will, but the alternative is humbling. Now let that bounce around just for a moment, okay? We can resist submitting to God's will and we can kick and we can kick and we can kick, but remember the alternative is humbling. What happened to Paul in verse four? He was knocked down low, where finally he was humble enough to submit his will to God's. You know, sometimes God has to humble us to get us to submit. Is that not what happened to the prodigal son? 
When did the prodigal son finally decide he was going to go home and submit back to his father after he had been humbled? Had to be humbled. Now, folks, look, we can easily respond to the Holy Spirit of God and let him turn us to the reins. But if we're not careful, we'll resist and kick back. And then he'll hit us with the old gold over here. And sooner or later, God's finally going to knock us low and get us humble enough to be willing to submit our will unto God's. Brother AJ's house the other day and for the ladies' Bible study, not as a, you know, participant, but I was the chair carrier guy. And I was carrying some chairs over there to them. And I pulled up. And you have a doggy door in your garage door, correct? That's a doggy door. Anybody know what a doggy door is? A little door about yay big for their dog. And uh, their dog is, is just the right size for that. I pulled up and I'm sitting there looking at that door. And I'm thinking to myself, they must have a little dog. Because that door was little. Sure enough, a few minutes later, here comes this little Yorkie, wasn't it? A little Yorkie comes out there running around. And here's what I thought to myself. I said, in order for something to fit through that door, they're going to have to be small enough and low enough to get in there. The old dog I used to have, he wouldn't fit in there. My dad's dog, he wouldn't fit in there. He wasn't small enough or low enough to get through that door. And I thought about this afternoon of how often that's the way it is for God. We want to pass through the door of God's will and find God's will for our life. The problem is we're too big. Paul was too big. That's why he was kicking off. God, I can't let go of that. He was not ready to be humbled. And finally, God humbled him and brought him low. Now, here's what's beautiful. Look, if you will, to verse number six. Notice, as soon as Paul submitted his will to God's, what did he say? Lord, what will thou have me to do? As soon as he submitted his will to God, notice what Jesus said, arise and go to the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Notice, as soon as he submitted to God, God began to tell him exactly what he wanted him to do. I wonder tonight if an unsubmitted will is that wall that's keeping you from knowing what God wants to do with your life. Is there something off limits? Is there something you're holding back? Is there something you're kicking against? No, no, no. God, don't ask for that. Don't you want that? I can't give that up. And that unsubmitted heart, that unsubmitted will, is holding back Christ from saying, Arise and go to the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. I remember when we were praying about moving here. Uh, I've told this story so many times. If I've already told you, just, just hear it again and smile like you never have. I told God, after I met with the deacons, I was going to pray about it a month. So I'll give you a month. I'll pray about it for a month. So I prayed for two weeks. And at the end of that two weeks, the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart. He says, you're not praying genuinely. So I talked to the Lord a little more. So what do you mean? He says, well, you're praying and asking what my will is, but you're not putting Bayou Baptist Church on the table. So I'm saying, God, I want to know what your will is. God, show me what your will is. He says, you've got to put Bayou Baptist Church on the table. <laughs> just tell me what your will is. Just, just tell me. It, don't, don't, don't make me put Isaac on the mountain. Don't make me do that. Just, just tell me what it is. Just tell me what it is. And God says, put it on the table. The second two weeks were a grueling two weeks for my family, were they not? Because now, after that first two weeks, I was fully submitted it was after that that I found out what God's will is for my family and our home to move to this place. But you know what was holding that back? The reason I didn't hear from God in the first two weeks is because there was something I was holding on to that I was not willing to submit to God. And God says, I'm not going to tell you until you submit. And finally, when I submitted my will to his, I knew what God wanted me to do. 
One of the last papers I wrote in college, I can't remember if it was a term paper, one of the last papers I wrote in college was entitled Training Wheels. Training, W-I-L-L-S, not wheels. When you first start riding a bicycle, you use training wheels, right? Unless some of you super exceptional people didn't need training wheels, but most people need training wheels. Kind of helps get them started and help stay upright and find their way, and after a while, you can take that off. You know, for a Christian trying to find the will of God, one of the first things you've got to learn to do, train your will and turn it over to God's. The problem is God's will is fighting our will, and God says, I want you to have my will, but you're going to have to relinquish yours. And that's what we see Paul doing in verse number six. So number three, we've got to submit to what God is seeking. The last thing is fairly self-explanatory. Verse five, the Bible says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. The fourth thing this evening we'll see is As Paul continues to clarify what God wants him to do, God tells him, I want you to arise and go to the city, and then I'll tell you what you're going to do. You know, God could have just as easily told him everything right there while he's laying on the ground. But he says, nope, I want you to get up, I want you to go to the city, and then I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. Number four, and the last thing on the walk of God's will is to pursue what's been presented. If you want to know, to find and fulfill the will of God, you've got to pursue what God's presented. So what do you mean? Well, here's what I want you to understand. Paul is blind at this moment. If you'll look down, the Bible says that, verse number nine, he was three days without sight. Neither did he did eat nor drink. Let me tell you, Paul hasn't got everything clear yet. Paul doesn't have clarity on what the rest of the will of God for his life is going to be. All that he knows is that God says, get up and go into the city, and then you'll find out what I want to do with you. What does he have to do to find out what's next? He has to pursue what God's presented to him. Sooner or later, this is going to boil down to the word that none of us like, and it's obedience. We've got to do what we know. We've just got to do what we know. Can you imagine Paul laying there on the ground and says, you know what, I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to ask God what he wants. I don't believe God would have honored that. So what do you mean? God wouldn't have honored Paul's prayer and God would have honored Paul's fasting? No, because God's already told Paul what he wanted. Sooner or later, you've got to do what you know. I think tonight that oftentimes we don't know what to do. It's because we're not already doing the things that we know to do. We're asking God, God, what did you want me to do? He says, go to the city. We're sitting there waiting, God, show me what to do. And we're not doing what God's already made known. You've just got to do what you were left to do, and then God will show you what he wants you to do next. I called a friend today to make sure I could use this story, and uh, it's a preacher friend of mine from up near Hickory, Mississippi, and I'll call Lauren's first name, but I will not call her last name. Her husband told me I could, but I'm not going to do that tonight. Uh, He took his wife hunting for the first time many years ago and put her up in a stand. I don't think she'd ever kill the deer, and uh, he says, look, he says, if a doe comes out, you shoot it, all right? Doe comes out, you shoot it. It was they were doe hunting. And uh, so he put her in the stand and was walking to his stand. I believe he was climbing the ladder to get up in his stand. He heard boom. He didn't got in the stand yet. He's sitting there thinking, was that her? And also, boom. Another shot. So he calls on his phone, figured out, boom. Another shot goes off. 
Well, he's thinking something's wrong, you know, they're having a shootout or something over there. So he comes down the ladder and starts heading back to the wood. Boom, another shot goes off. He gets over to his wife and he says, what is going on? She says, I shot a doe. And he walks over there and there's three does laying on the ground. He says, true story, true story. He says, what did you do that for? She says, well, you said, if a doe comes out, shoot it. He said, so I shot that one, and then another one came out, and I shot that one, and another one came out, and I shot that one. She said, I just did what you told me to do. I mean, that would happen to our wives, wouldn't it? It would never happen to us, but that happens to our wives, wouldn't it? I thought to myself this afternoon, I texted him, I said, can I use your wife's illustration tonight? He says, sure. He told me to call out her name, but I said, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I don't want her to get arrested. I don't know what the statute of limitation is for shooting too many deer, so I didn't want her to get arrested and all that. But here's what I want you to understand. He put her in a place. He said, here's what you do. Doe comes out, you shoot the doe. So she said in the stand, here comes the doe. She shoots it. Here comes another one. What is she supposed to do? Well, what did he tell her to do? Doe comes out, just shoot it. I'm, look, I'm glad there weren't seven does that day. She probably would be in jail. She just did what she was told to do in the place where she was told to do it. Imagine tonight, imagine tonight if our church would just learn to do what God told us to do until he tells us to do different. This is what he's telling Paul. Paul, arise, go to the city, and then I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. It's okay? I'm going to go to the city. Why? Because that's the only way I'm going to find out what he wants me to do next. You see, sooner or later, you've just got to be obedient to what God has already told you to do. By the way, this book is full of things that God has already told us to do. September 29th of this year, the Detroit Lions played the Kansas City Chiefs in a very interesting game. The Lions had gotten down to the one-yard line and were getting ready to punch the ball in for a touchdown. I forget who the running back was. The running back leaps over the pile and extends the ball to try to break the plane of the goal so that they could score and cut the lead down just a little bit. As he went over the top of the pile, he rolled down, and the ball slowly came loose and rolled into the end zone. But the whistle was never blown. So one of the players for the Kansas City Chiefs, his name was Bashad Breland, picks up the ball while the Lions are just standing there looking at it, and he runs the ball 99 yards for a touchdown. The Lions are standing there wondering what's going on. They thought the play was over, but here was the problem. The referees never blew the whistle. One of the first rules of football you'll learn is you play to the whistle. You just keep playing to the whistle. If you're blocking, you just block into the whistle. If you're running, run to the whistle. Get open into the whistle. And they never blew the whistle. So this player picked up the ball and ran it in for a touchdown. Folks, I want you to understand something tonight. God hasn't blown the whistle. And he expects us just to do our job until he blows the whistle. And it's not a whistle, it's a trump. But folks, I believe God's going to come and he's going to find us standing around like the Detroit Lions. Say, well, I thought this thing was over with. God says, no, it's over with when I blow the whistle. And he hasn't blown the trump of God. So what are we supposed to do? There is this frantic search in the church today to try to figure out the newest method and the greatest way to get things done. And I don't have a problem with learning new methods. But I'll tell you something. All we've got to do is take what he's already presented and be obedient to it. That's what we've got to do. 
There's a reason the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number six. The Bible says, stand ye in the ways and, and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way. Now, folks, it doesn't necessarily mean that, hey, we can't do something new, but it means, hey, our doctrine's already been settled. We've just got to do what he's already told us to do. You'd be amazed at how much God would bless this church if we just says, I'm going to take God at his word, and I'm going to pursue what God's already presented. Look, you don't have to go out and get a degree in, uh, in, in theology. You don't have to go out and, and learn the best ways. If you've just been obedient to what God says, you'd be amazed at how God would bless your efforts. The problem is we're just not pursuing what God has already told us to do. He tells Paul in verse 6, Arise and go unto the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Sooner or later, if you want to know and fulfill the will of God, you're just going to have to do what you know. Do what you know to do. We had two rules in my kids' class on Wednesday night. I'll tell you this real quick and we'll be done. Two rules in our class, and the, class, the rules were, number one, do what it's time to do. But the second rule was do what you know to do. You know, we have kids, they're always going to be kids, and they're going to, you know, poke somebody in the eye, slap somebody in the head. I mean, they're just kids, and they need whoopings, you know, to help them to know not to do stuff like that. And uh, we'd have kids start acting up, we'd ask them a question. What are you doing? I said, well, you know, I said, no, no, you know what to do. You know what to do. You're just not doing the things that you know to do. Now, folks, understand this. The will of God is not that complicated. Our Father wants it to be clear. He does. He says, I don't want you to be unwise. I don't want you to be foolish concerning my will. And so Paul showed us a simple way to know it. Number one, we've got to hear from God. Can you hear from God tonight? Can you hear from God? Is your, is your heart right with God? Is there anything between you and your Savior tonight? Can you hear from God? Number two, are you in his word? You've got to spend time in his word and then after you hear from God, has God heard from you lately? Have you responded to what he's already said? That's how Paul clarified God's will for his life. And then number three tonight, folks, sooner or later, you've got to get to the place to where you submit your will to God's. I'm submitting it, okay? God, no matter what you want, I'm submitting my will to yours and to what you want. And then finally, pursue what God has already presented. Several years ago, there was a man who went to England. He was walking around the streets, looking at some of the older antique shops up and down the alleyways of England, uh, of London. And while he was there, he got turned around on one of the side streets and didn't know how to get back. So unlike most men, he asked for directions. He asked this 12-year-old boy, he says, how do I get back to the train station? The boy says, well, you go two blocks and take a right. On the right, you're going to see a grocery, a grocery store. Go down two more blocks at the grocery store, and you'll come to an intersection where four roads meet. The man says, well, what do I do when I get there? He says, inquire again. Inquire again. The boy says, that's as far as I can take you. When you get there, you can ask somebody, and they'll tell you where to go from there. But folks, we've got to take those first few turns in order to find out what God has for us next. We've got to pursue what God's already presented. There's no way you're going to be engaged in the will of God if you don't hear from God, if God doesn't hear from you, if you don't submit your will to his. And then finally, you just got to pursue what God has already made known. Our heads are bowed tonight and our eyes are closed.